0: This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash districtsentinel. We still have that promotion going on with Means TV, where if you become a $5 subscriber on Patreon to the Sentinel, You will get sent to you a promo code to get a month free of Means TV. So spend $5 with the Sentinel at Patreon and you get $10 subscription for free at Means TV for a month. And if you still want to keep watching Means TV after that month, you can work out a deal with uh, Nick and Naomi who run the operation over there. Uh, They're very generous with giving out subscriptions based on people's means no pun intended well it was intended actually (laughs) so um we still we still have baseball going on surprisingly after the chaotic events of yesterday and news that uh, another four players on the marlins have been tested positive for Uh, COVID-19 so I think that makes it 15 players now and two coaches so half the team uh, has has the virus Um, maybe the Marlins should just have to forfeit
1: their games I'm not sure we have to punish the entire league just because Florida can't get a shit together
0: (laughs) well I'm pretty sure any team uh, uh, could could fall victim to this sort of uh, outbreak, just given the nature of how baseball is proceeding with this uh, reopening. But, you know, the Marlins now are just concerned about fielding a team. So they're just pulling from their reserve pool of players. And that's the that's the that's the backup plan. If a team gets outbreaks, they have this pool of other players to just throw into the infected clubhouse and uh, hope that uh, the outbreak stops. But uh, still don't think they should be playing baseball as much as I am enjoying watching it and I'm, I'm still watching it. It's not like I'm taking a principled stand and not watching baseball. I'm a coward. I don't think they should be playing. Um, also it turns out hockey is in a bubble. I know we, uh, weren't sure of that, of that yesterday. They're in a bubble in Canada. Actually, all the teams are in Canada in a fucking bubble in two bubbles in Canada. My cousin texted me last night to tell me cause he was listening to the show. And, uh, wanted to give us an answer to that question um, and he noted how uh, uh, Canada doesn't want anything to do with baseball they're not letting uh, the baseball teams cross the border to play against the Blue Jays so the Blue Jays have to relocate to Buffalo to play baseball um, they're making everybody come to Canada though to play hockey uh, it's actually probably pretty smart they uh, they only trust the things that they can control at the moment and that's hockey and not baseball and what Manfred is doing and shit like that I'm sure a lot of the players and the uh, support staff are
1: uh, prefer to be in Canada right now and not just because they're Canadian
0: much rather be in Canada than Florida right now when it comes to uh, trying to stay safe from the virus
1: Uh, other reasons too.
0: That's true. Um, It's not uh, it's not currently a failed state. Um, It is slightly better than the United States. All right, let's get to the non-sports related events. It's Tuesday, July 28th, 2020. Here's the news. The Attorney General William Barr testified before the House Judiciary Committee today. And despite the fact that he was under oath, he made some pretty unbelievable claims about the uprising and the federal response to it. Here's one just as ridiculous as the tampons and iced coffee claims or the poisoned Shake Shack milkshake we've heard from police.
2: The federal resources are inside the perimeter around the courthouse defending it from almost two months of daily attacks where people march to the court, try to gain entrance and have set fires, thrown things, used explosives uh and uh injured police including just this past weekend perhaps permanently blinding three federal officers with lasers
0: yeah i'm sure i'm sure three officers blinded i'm gonna need some more evidence of this before i believe it but people certainly have been blinded during the uprising but it's been protesters not cops protesters who've been hit in the face with rubber bullets by cops. Still, Barr had the audacity to claim that actually, police have suffered more injuries than all the protesters who've been mercilessly beaten, gassed, and maimed by police.
2: Obviously, as I've said from the beginning, these peaceful protests in many places are being hijacked by a a very hardcore of of, uh, instigators, violent instigators. And they, they become violent, and their primary uh, viol- uh, direction of violence is to injure police. Police well, police casualties far exceed anything uh, on the civilian side.
0: The boldness to just lie like that is disturbing, but the hearing actually got worse later on during questioning from wacko fascist Congressman Louis Gohmert. No need to set it up. I'll just play the exchange when Gomert mentions 1917, you know, He's going somewhere wild.
3: Uh, now, I know you know history. Uh, going back to 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution, the Mao Revolution, uh, some of these tactics we're seeing are not new. Trying to get even David Horowitz, I introduced one time as a former socialist. he said, no, I was a full-blown communist. But he has pointed out that he started looking away from the group he was in because He saw they were interested in trying to provoke the police to kill somebody so that they could really create mayhem. You're familiar with that tactic by Marxists, are you not?
2: Yes.
0: What you're seeing is the groundwork laid for cops to just start murdering leftists and then blaming socialists for instigating all of it. Pretty fucked up discourse in the US Congress right now. Speaking of the discourse, here's one for the Epstein heads out there. Barr was taken to task during the hearing today by Representative Steve Cohen for allowing Jeffrey Epstein to supposedly kill himself.
2: You've gone through the Fifth Amendment and due process and just negated it. And the Tenth Amendment, which leaves general policing to the law enforcement, to the states, has been forgotten. Maybe what happened was your secret police were poorly trained, just like your Bureau of Prisons guards were poorly trained, and allowed the most notorious inmate in our nation's last several years, Jeffrey Epstein, to conveniently commit suicide. Sad.
0: Someone please inform the representative that Epstein's death wasn't a result of low-level incompetence, but actual competence at the highest levels of the Justice Department. More on the
1: federal response to the uprising— Today, a House committee looked at the June 1st police riot at Lafayette Square by the White House. You might recall how the Park Police brutally assaulted demonstrators and members of the press so that President Trump could pose in front of St. John's Church holding a Bible. The acting head of the Park Police, Gregory Monaghan, tried to justify the operation today by talking about officers injured in protests Only he talked about injuries that occurred days before the June 1st photo op police riot. Here's Monaghan describing something that happened on May 30th.
2: Uh, The most significant of which was an officer from the United States Park Police who was on the line on the north end of Lafayette Park, and he was struck in the testicles.
1: I'm sorry, Acting Chief Monaghan. Could you repeat that? Where on the body did the injury occur? He was struck in the testicles. One more time, just so we're clear. Could you describe once again what happened to this officer of the law?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I I, I wasn't clear on that. And he was struck in the testicles.
1: Oh, dear. Well, there's no way it can get more humiliating than that,
2: can it? And he was struck in the testicles by a protester who threw a brick and struck him in the
1: groin. Unlucky. Maybe he should find a different job, one where he doesn't have to use chemical weapons on teens spray-painting FTP. The only June first injury Monaghan could cite happened after his troops were ordered to beat the hell out of demonstrators. One of his guys was punched in the face apparently. Still, Monaghan denied that he was ordered to clear the park for a photo op, but he couldn't deny this from Congressman TJ Cox, Democrat from California.
2: Now would you agree or tell me otherwise, did the did the park need to be cleared in order for the president? to take his photo op so our goal that day was no was no to would, would you me. answer that bad question did that park need to be cleared did that area need to be vacated by any other citizens for the president to take his photo so we did not clear the park for a photo op we cleared no no the park no, for
0: did it, no reasons. that's not the question whether or not you did did it need to be cleared in your professional opinion and you're not with the secret service but did that area need to be cleared in order for the for the president to march from the White House to Lafayette Square
2: to to take a photo in front of St. John's Square. And I don't think I'm the person to answer that question.
1: There are recordings of radio transmissions from the park police that could bolster or debunk Monaghan's denials, or with respect to the question from Congressman Cox, his non-denial denial. denial. Conveniently, however, for both Monaghan and President Trump, the park police just so happened to lose these recordings that is, the recordings of the radio transmissions, around the time that Lafayette Park was cleared. Inconveniently for the Trump administration, after Monaghan testified, the House Natural Resources Committee heard from Major Adam DeMarco from the D.C. National Guard. He was on hand to witness what happened that day in the park. DeMarco told the committee that on June 1st, the park police attacked people, quote, "...behaving peacefully, exercising their First Amendment rights."
0: More on this tomorrow on this week's Chip Chat. Yesterday, we reported on an effort by hundreds of Sanders delegates to get the Democratic Party to adopt a Medicare for All in its official 2020 platform. The delegates signed a pledge promising to withhold their vote for the platform if it didn't include single-payer health care. Well, today we can report that the party was completely unmoved by this and on Monday voted 125 to 36 with three abstentions to reject a Medicare for All plank in the platform. That's despite knowing that tens of millions of people have already lost or will lose their employer-provided health insurance amid a pandemic. As we mentioned on yesterday's show, Medicare for All is extremely popular, supported by nine out of 10 Democrats and half of all Republicans. But the Democratic Party didn't stop at Medicare for All when it came to rejecting extremely popular positions that could help it win in 2020, The party also on Monday voted down marijuana decriminalization as a plank in the platform. The vote was 160 to 50 against. The measure didn't even call for full legalization, which is the case in a growing number of states. It simply called for decriminalization, expungement of prior marijuana convictions, and legalization for medicinal purposes. The platform appears to even take a step backward on marijuana reform from its 2016 version, which called for states to be the laboratories of democracy when it comes to marijuana legalization, this year's platform doesn't mention marijuana at all and merely makes a passing reference to the need to wind down the war on drugs. Latest polling from Pew shows that marijuana legalization has the support of 67% of Americans, including 8 out of 10 Democrats. Rejecting popular proposal after popular proposal, At what point do you have to conclude the Democrats are trying to lose? Or at the very least are more interested in punching left than actually beating Trump in November. The DNC also rejected a series of amendments to the platform that would have moved the party closer towards solidarity with Palestinians. Measures to condition aid to Israel, oppose settlements, and describe what's happening in Palestine as an occupation were all defeated by the platform committee. Finally,
1: once again, Republicans are trying to make it harder for labor organizers. Today, the National Labor Relations Board proposed a rule that would make it harder to win a union certification votes. The proposed regulation has its roots in a decades-old rule. Since 1966, within a week of the board scheduling union elections, bosses have been forced to give organizers a list of all workers' names and addresses, The idea being that the union should be able to make their case to everyone voting in the potential bargaining unit before the vote, a privilege that management already has by virtue of being management. But names and addresses ain't what they used to be in the era of deindustrialization. Not many company towns anymore. So in 2014, under President Obama, the NLRB said bosses also have to give up personal email addresses and home and cell phone numbers. It's this amendment that the Trump administration is seeking to reverse today. The NLRB said it wants to restore the 1966 precedent. Union organizers, in their view, should only get names and home addresses. In the filings, the agency said it was acting to protect workers' privacy, relying wholly on complaints from industry trade associations, the National Grocers Association, Associated Builders and Contractors, and the Independent Bakers Association. Of course, when one thinks of civil liberties-minded orgs, one thinks of the big three, the National Lawyers Guild, the ACLU, and Associated Builders and Contractors. The grocers and the bakers are still up and coming in the privacy world. Of course, I'm joking. This is all just complete hack shit. Of note, unions shouldn't have to win secret ballot elections at all against their bosses, They don't have to in most industrialized countries. The U.S. is different thanks to legislation passed by Congress in 1947 known as the Taft-Hartley Act. Democrats have long promised to repeal the law only to never actually try when they control Washington. If Joe Biden wins in November and Democrats take back Congress and they repeal Taft-Hartley, I will eat my own goddamn dick. It's
0: not going to happen. The gauntlet has been laid down. (laughs) That'll do it for the newscast today. We do have a call to get to on the old rant line. Let's hear it out.
3: Hey, it's the, um, you know, formerly known as Slater, now at White Sox Lex. Um, Wanted to call in with a few things I heard you were talking about the Marlins, Phillies, Yankees situation. Now um, it looks like the White Sox manager, uh, Ricky Renteria, is getting tested. And this is all, you know, in the debut season for future superstar Louise Robert for the White Sox. He's already got a home run and a double. The ball is coming off the bat at 110 miles an hour. And none of that matters because they are going to have to shut down the season for safety reasons. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, I guess, is that later in the week, I should, I'm actually going to be talking more in depth about baseball on Donald and Tom's podcast, You Can't Win. And the last thing I wanted to get into while I'm calling here is the awful pundit, uh, putrid pundit invitational. We've got week three, round one winners and losers. Um, Kurt Schilling talking about baseball. He beat Jesse Kelly. That's a real Breitbart Federalist type matchup. Um, Dan Bongino beat Ben Rhodes of Crooked Media. Uh Charles Pierce beat uh Rebecca Schoenkopf of Wampett, and Kurt Eichenwald put a little just a big win against Michelle Malkin. That's a surprising one. Michelle Malkin is a very odious person, but people did not forget that Eichenwald um has his own, you know, just off putting nature and tentacle porn and I'll let you guys look into the Justin Barry stuff if if you got the time for that. Um, So, yeah, thank you again for supporting the Awful Pundit Tournament. And if you want to hear more about, you know, what's going on with the politics of baseball in that situation, check out You Can't Win later this, you know, after that's put out. Um, Have a great week, guys.
0: Thanks for the call, Slater. Busy time of the year right now for Slater with uh, all the awful pundit activities going on and the baseball season going on, although that latter might end up getting uh, cut short. Uh, I'm glad Slater brought up uh, Luis Robert, who uh, is the best player on my last place fantasy baseball squad, but we're only about three or four days into the season, so uh, still remaining confident. Uh, assuming there is a season, which uh, I'm going to assume that there probably won't be after a few days. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the call, Slater. You know,
1: we've been assuming that there's not going to be a a season um, on the grounds that things have already started off really poorly for Major League Baseball. But have we stopped to consider that there's money to be made?
0: True, true. I, I, I'm they're begin- gonna play this thing I'm, out. I'm
1: beginning to come around to uh, to the to the idea that there will be a baseball season, even if they have to change the rules so that like the team with the fewest players that have coronavirus wins or whatever. Um, that they're they're gonna be guys running around the bases.
0: Literally, the uh, World Series goes to the last team standing. Uh, Grim stuff. Call the Rant Line, 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We will play it on air. We've got a brand new edition of Chip Chat on Wednesday. Stay tuned for that. We talk more about the Attorney General testifying on Capitol Hill and the events at Lafayette Square Park on June 1st. Uh, We've got a brand new Means Morning News on Thursday. And then we're back with the Garbage Can Show for subscribers on Friday. We're here in D.C. so you don't have to be.